Hello, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and this is The Soul of Business. And for new listeners, I want to—I always do this. I want to just preface uh, the the, uh, the episode with a very brief explanation about why do we call this the soul of business and what's all that about. Um, and as I do every time here, I'll just you know, bring Carl Jung, the philosopher, into play with this. Um, he was asked one time to describe what he thought the soul was, and he said very simply, "It's that piece of anything that brings it to into being." I mean, that's the simplest way to describe it. It's that piece of anything that brings it into being. So in that framing, um, you know, obviously humans have a soul. You know, in that definition, it's not religious. It's that piece of anything that brings it into being. Um, a tree has a soul. A rock has a soul. And also a business has a soul. It's that, that piece of anything that brought it into being. A founder's idea, a founder's, you know, an ideal that they wanted to see uh, brought into the marketplace. And the soul of business gets lost in my experience. And I've been working in businesses for about 40, 45 years, um, yeah, both as a, a CEO in my own businesses, uh, around a couple of others, and uh, as a consultant to businesses um, around the world. And one of the things that I noticed pretty early on was that as organizations begin to mature, uh, they started to lose connection with that soul. Uh, it became a Instead of a mission with a business as a delivery mechanism, it became a business with a mission as an afterthought. And at that point in time, employees start to disengage because there's no spark. It's really difficult to get excited about quarterly results. You know, if you're an employee, and particularly in a large organization, they don't have meaning. You know, so the lack of meaning is pandemic. And when you look at Gallup's information on employee engagement, you've got you have roughly 87, 88% of the uh, world population and work population that's disengaged in some way, shape or form from the work they're doing. And that's a consequence of lack of connection to soul. So if we can get reconnected to it, by definition, we start to re-engage uh, the folks that we care most about, uh, our employees, and also we, begin to re-engage our customers in a very interesting way, as well as our suppliers and vendors. So with that preamble, the, um, the show is designed to have conversations with business leaders that are actually doing something about connecting with soul. Um, and not just business leaders, but people in society. We've had scientists on, I've had a, uh, a couple of uh, military folks on, a major general uh, that led uh, a very interesting uh, redeployment of the US Marine Corps in the South Pacific after 9-11. Um, you know, how do you keep connected to large organizations, missions, that sort of thing. And today's show is no different. Uh, I've got a fascinating guest, uh, and I think it's really timely, um, just given some of the consequence of uh, uh, the shelter at home, you know, stay in place uh, orders that are going on around the world and people having to work from home. And all of a sudden now we're having to find ways to actually connect in different ways, not only to each other, but also to stay connected to the, uh, the mission of the organizations that we're a part of. Uh, Jet Ayers is the uh, global CEO uh, of a firm called IGEL, I-G-E-L. And IGEL is uh, basically one of the world's leaders in software for cloud workplaces. And I'm gonna you know, talk a little bit more about that and actually uh, have, uh, have Jed talk a bit about, about that. 
because it's enabling a lot of what we're doing today. And we're doing this interview on Zoom right now, which uh, is powered by, yes, a lot of the work that IGEL brings to the, the table here. So, Jed, I, want, I just want to thank you for joining us. In a, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, well, Blaine, thank you very much for having me on my on your show. It's a huge uh, honor to be uh, to be here. Um, I'm I'm in Marin County in California, just north of the Golden Gate Bridge. Day sixty five of uh, being work into this work from home environment. So, like you said, it's definitely uh, taking get some getting used to to be uh, someone that was hyper mobile, managing a, a team of over four hundred people around the world to uh, uh, sitting in the in front of a zoom screen every day yeah you're getting getting very intimate with your product in a different way yeah and it's it, like you said it's a challenge to sort of how, how do you connect with your team and uh, you know especially i just took this helm of the uh, company i was in a the ceo of north america and our cmo roles previous uh to taking over the global role and that was in february of this year we had a kickoff in munich right before everything kind of changed uh, in the first week of, of February. So yeah, um, it's kind of an, an amazing time to be the new CEO of a global company with a 20 year history with two thirds of my employees sitting in Europe somewhere. Yeah. Whom you haven't met physically. It's, I mean, it's, it's, and I know part of your, your promise going in was you're going to see a lot of me. And yeah, exactly. So yeah, this has been, uh, yeah, we had an all hands yesterday. Uh, we try to have them uh, once a month. We're having lots of good conversations with our extended leadership team of about 50 people. So yeah, we're, we're trying to do a lot of things to kind of up the communication because of course, in any, uh, any leader knows that you can never communicate enough, right? So um, finding ways to, uh, to do videos, to do emails, to do Zooms, um, and, and just keep people engaged and motivated. It's a, it's a, a whole new, I mean, I, I think you just have to pivot. You have to be agile. You have to try new things. Um, it's a, it's a yeah. different universe. Yeah. You know, we were talking before we started recording here and you know, you know the ability to pivot agility uh, is actually, you know, in your words, the new superpower. Uh, if, if you don't, I, mean, have I, that. I look at it as simply as like, you look at the people in certain restaurants, right? They, they had some fancy restaurant with, you know, uh, expensive food and then overnight they pivoted and they redid the menu to comfort food and you know they're they're figuring out a, a new way right so but then there's other restaurants that just sort of gave up right so yeah you have to have that sort of uh passion and spark and willingness to change right and honestly that's one of the challenging things in life right it's not a it's not a native natively wired thing people actually resist change right so you have to sort of Oh boy, they they really do. I mean, one you know, one of the things that I was struck at when I was doing some research on you and on the on the company um, uh, is, is essentially uh, your, your mission statement. I, I mean, that's my words for it here. You know, correct me if I'm off base with this a bit, but making the impossible possible. And yeah, you know, that it goes back to your founder and being able to pivot in that way. Make you know, and I'm I'm entering this. Uh, thread from this perspective, the way that um, we define leadership and, and a large part of my you know, career was and is you know, continuing to be around leadership development. And the way we define leadership is the activity of co-creating coordinated movement in a system. And mm -hmm. what leaders essentially do is make possibility reality. 
Yeah, it, you know, right. it's, it's about identifying a possibility and then finding ways to turn it into reality. And, and you do that through co-creation and coordination. So if I take that as a definition, as a new CEO, I mean, you came in in February and all of a sudden, you know, you've spent the last, you know, two months <clears throat> in quarantine, you know, essentially. Yeah. How have yeah. you managed to co-create coordinated movement? Yeah, so one of the things that uh, our founder, you know, with that statement about make the impossible possible, really what this concept was, uh, was, and it's, it's, it's very important because, you know, the German uh, psych, 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 uh, sort of their psyche, like, it doesn't yeah. lend itself to sort of that uh, audacious, bold, you know, thinking at times, right? They love to engineer things and they like to really get it to perfect, right? Whereas uh, Americans sometimes are just a little more brash and willing to like, you know, jump off into something when it's 85% done. So one of the amazing you know, gifts that I've been given over the last what, four years, sort of building up this company, doubling the size of it and bringing America and some of the American values into the culture and marrying these two things is this idea of sort of believe. We, we put it uh, around believe. And maybe this is our you know, uh, way of saying the soul of a business or the essence of a business, but it's this one word that we, we've, we've landed on and I, I've used as a tagline and uh, we've built a whole kind of culture around it. And it, it essentially says, you have to be able to dream something, you have to be able to build something and you have to be able to bring it to market, right? And so I have a fun story I'll tell you. When I uh, took uh, over the CMO role, we were figuring out how to take this amazing software technology that was trapped in a piece of hardware, a dumb terminal. If you know what a, any of your listeners have ever mm -hmm. heard of a thin client or a dumb terminal back from the mainframe days, that's essentially what this company was producing when I got here. But locked in that dumb terminal or thin client was this amazing Linux operating system that these guys had been working on for 16 years when I got here. And um, they'd actually figured out how to take that operating system off the thin client and put it on any x86 any PC, laptop, tablet, thin client out there. And, and it was a disruptive thing. Uh, and and they, they didn't quite know how to articulate it because it was in German. They tended to market things way too technically, right? So feature, function, this device has this many you know, ports and this processor in it. But the real outcome was an extraordinary thing. It was very different, right? So when I got here, my gift was, whoa, this is an amazing thing. And a lot of people in my uh, sphere of influence, they looked at it from the outside and they couldn't see it, right? They said, oh, this is a German hardware company in a very slow growing uh, space called end user computer or virtual desktop infrastructure. Uh, and so they said, you know, career limiting move, run the other direction. And I saw it and I said, wow, this company has a heart and they have an amazing product, right? And so the, the transformation that I was given was Take, take this, put it in English, put it in business outcome terms and, uh, and reveal that to the world. And so we've, had, we've been on this journey, but the believe thing came from after the first year of being here, I said, hey, we do this kickoff and we do this amazing thing for all our employees. We should extend that to our partners and our customers. And uh, so I, I flew to Germany and I, I, I got in a boardroom with you know, 15 of the most influential people in the company. And I, I presented this you know, vision of how we could do a user conference. And I'm sure your listeners are aware that's a big deal in, in the tech world, right? Dreamforce mm -hmm. and every great tech company has a user conference. And so at the end of me presenting this, I looked around the room and 
said, what do you guys think? And they said, no way. We could never do this. We're just a little German company. And you know, we have no right to, uh, to have our own user conference. And so I was like appalled at that, right? I basically was like, you know, how, how, it's the Henry Ford moment, right? Where you either think you can or you think you can't. You're right. Yeah. Um, and so I, w- I walked away from the meeting initially a dejected, but then basically came back um, in, in a sort of empowered way and said, look, I'm going to help these guys prove, them, you know, prove that they were wrong, right? And so fast forward three months later, we had 500 people in a um, ballroom. Uh, five hotels sold out and um, the beginning of what we now call disrupt, which is a very, um, you know, high powered um, user conference for what we do. And this year we were on the stage flanked by none other than Microsoft as the, you know, platinum sponsor of this event. So from that, this concept of believe uh, was born. I love it. That's a great story. You know, uh, uh, when I'm working with clients, you know, one of the things that, uh, usually will come up in conversation at some point because we're always looking at change because that's what leadership causes Um, is the notion that what limits me is not who I think I am. What limits me is who I think I'm not. And the story you just described is a great example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're not, you know, who are we? We're not that kind of a company. We're not, yeah, we, all of those reasons for why the future can't be what we can, you know, think it could be comes into yeah, play. It, it's of course manifested itself in some of the, uh, you know, uh, ways that the technology has been used too, right? All of a sudden we see the largest retailer in the world using it and NASA using it to communicate with the International Space Station and all of a sudden, you know, some of the biggest hospitals in the world, you know, powering hundreds of thousands of devices uh, using our operating system. So that's been the other place where all of a sudden people realize, oh, this this technology has a place, you know, uh, in the world. And of course, I think that's just part of it. It's like, I have uh, an inside sales rep and um, she always tells me, I'm going to speak this into existence, right? Like, (laughs) and I go, and she's, you know, the most successful inside sales rep we've ever had in the company. And so, so much of what uh, people can do in their life is about just believing that they can do it, right? Visualizing it. Oh, and uh, anyway, so that's become you know, a big tenet of the spirit of the company is this idea of believe. And we've taken it to the point where at the end of our kickoff this year, I gave everybody a shirt that said believe across the front of it. And uh, they all left. And of course, on the back, it essentially said uh, believe you know, that we can become the number one player in this cloud edge operating system for cloud workspaces. Well, then I realized... Uh, you know, a, a few weeks uh, after the whole COVID thing hit, I, I got a, uh, a text from a woman who had been in the audience um, of the Disrupt event, uh, who was the wife of, of a Microsoft executive who we invited, invited to speak at our kickoff. And she had never been to Munich, so she tagged along with her executive husband. And uh, she sat in the front row and watched him give his keynote. And of course, we gave her one of the shirts on the way out the door. Well, little did I know, Blaine, that she was the lead nurse for that um, terrible situation that happened in Kirkland, uh, where 29 people died. And I was out on a run here in Marin, and I got a text from her and her husband, and she simply had on this shirt that said, believe. Uh, And that that led to a whole, you know, moment for me where I was like, whoa, kind of came undone. I can't even talk about it without doing that, right? Because it's human life. But she... 
she basically was using that statement as as a sort of way to carry her through this very difficult moment and then i i went out to our employees and said hey um you know you're all sitting on this shirt let's use this as a moment of power and optimism around this whole thing with covid yeah i i mean, I, I i've got chills as you describe that uh wow yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I get a little emotional talking about no, it. No, I, uh, you know, anyway, uh, we, what happened was we actually leaned into it and, and 400 people sent pictures and we created a little video and then now we're sending people shirts and we've, I think sent close to a thousand shirts to people around the uh, country. And then they're taking that and putting it on social media. So, um, I love it. There's any listeners that want to believe t-shirt and want to be part of this sort of moment of optimism and sort of positivity, go to igel.com slash believe. We'll send you a shirt and, uh, you can do with it what you want, but it's, a um, you know, a moment for us as we see through this that, you know, hopefully, you know, we come out the other side as a more unified, uh, you know, world. And, uh, you know, we have to have this sort of optimism around the human spirit and uh the the intellect that will drive us through this right so for us it's it's bigger than yo igel at this point and so uh, yeah. it's been fun to open up linkedin and see people from around the world whether it was italy or spain or, or um you know our friends in china i mean everywhere around the world we've basically seen people getting these shirts and wearing them so it's been a power i mean hopefully that goes to sort of a the the spirit of the company this essence of of who igel is right at this point yeah uh, it it does yeah i mean when i watched the video and i and i went on 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 your site and watched the video i i mean i was moved it was like this is this, this is more than corporate fluffery there there's something behind this and i was intrigued and i'm i love you, you know you sharing the story of, of the genesis of it and actually of the impact of this how did how did you come to be in this? Because in my experience, and I, you know, I've worked tech you know, for years. Um, yeah, I, I led Nokia's global leadership initiative, a good chunk of that, for about twelve years. Uh, I was you know, helped shepherd you know, the merger of Nokia and Siemens, and right. yeah, the, the the guys in tech that I worked with didn't seem to have access. And, and this is a broad generalization. And I'll cop to that right now. But it, they were far more speaking from their shoulders up to the top of their head than they were from their heart up to the top of their head. That's not my experience with you. Uh, you know, your, your, your heart comes through. And so I guess where I'm going with this is how, 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 how have you maintained that uh, in what is really a very logical driven logic driven industry yeah it is and I, I mean i guess maybe it's partly just how you know where you grew up and just i grew up on a small farm in northern california and you know kind of uh my parents were teachers and i don't know maybe it's some of that but i uh i guess uh, i've always just felt like being authentic and sort of you know showing who i was being a little bit vulnerable it's actually served me well mm -hmm. but uh yeah. the word you said heart is a big it's another kind of moment for me with igel because we uh we had a kickoff i think it was the second year i was with the company and uh i was trying to sort of identify how does this company 
uh, growing the way it is. And um, I had this moment where I just sort of said, all right, well, it's definitely we're hiring great people. We have great people. We empower them. And so that's one thing. And I said, okay, uh, we have a great product. We continue to have you know, focus and innovation. That's obviously the lifeblood of any tech company, right? Is you got to have that, the intellect, right? The, the mm-hmm. shoulder up thing. And we had a lot of that and they'd been working on it uh, for a long time. And we had a plan, right? And that was very important because Germans like plans and we're on a different <laughs> time zone, nine hours away. So it was like, hey, we're gonna, there's the blueprint on how we're gonna do this. And yeah, we might modify it a little bit. And so that was where I, what I came up with, right? Was these three P's, people, product, plan. So I, I said, I think this is what's driving our success. And uh, this guy, in a, there, at the time we had 300 people in the company, this guy who had been with the company his entire career, uh, he had started as an apprentice in Germany and he's a pretty quiet guy, but very strong, powerful, you know, um, player in the company. He was a five rows back in this dark ballroom. He starts to wave his hand and, uh, you know, this is in the middle of an opening keynote, which was, you know, sort of an off-putting thing as this guy's wildly raising his hand. Right. And I kind of looked at our founder and I was like, you know, what am I supposed to do? It's like jumping out of his chair back here. And so, I, I eventually said, get the guy a mic. And so we gave him a mic. And of course, yeah, I'm holding it for a breath. Like, what is this guy going to say? And he goes, you're missing the fourth P, which is passion, right? And it's like this, this sort of like, I guess it goes to what you're saying, the soul of a company, right? But it's like this sort of uh, underlying fire that's inside the, everyone that joins this company. And I do think it's part of the challenge is like, okay, how do you keep that fire going? How do you ha- have something that, you know, resonates as new people come into the company. But, you know, we quickly changed it to the four Ps. So passion is included. And then what I've done is I've actually taken it to your point about heart, right? Because I do think there is, it's about heart, right? And so I tell people, we run this company on three words. The first one is believe and the second two are servant heart. And so what does servant heart mean? It means um, you hear a lot about like servant leadership. To me, servant isn't something that um is reserved for leaders right it's reserved for everybody and so um that's how i look at it and we basically um we're about to put out another shirt uh on on the backs of the believe shirt that really you know speaks to this idea of servant art and what that means to us is we serve each other it's like our family right people talk about a company being a family but it's like hey if you can take care of each other then you can take care of your partners and you can take care of your customers, right? And um, what I find as people come into the company, they're astounded that you know somebody will drop everything and help them with whatever their problem is, right? Because it's a cultural value, servant heart, right? And you ask, you know, where does this come from for me? I, I grew up um, as a waiter and a bellman and a busser. I put myself through college, right? And so you're inherently serving, right? And so that was part of my upbringing was service, um, hospitality, right? Your job is to sort of shepherd people through uh, an experience, right? And so I don't know if that's part of it, but I I just believe that um, obviously if you can take care of people, um, that comes back to you 10X, right? And kindness um, tends to win in the long run. Yeah, it does. It truly does. Um, I love yeah, everything that I'm hearing here. Um, IGEL is so fortunate to have you at the helm right now. I mean, and, I, and I, I don't have a horse in this race, but I'm just hearing who you are 
Uh, I have no idea what specifically you're doing, but who you are speaks volumes about what's possible for the future of the company. Uh, and I, and I, I just want to acknowledge that. I, I truly do. Well, thank you. I, it, that, it's, thank it's you. Huge. I mean, I, I hope, uh, you know, that, uh, somebody listening here can get something out of this. Right. I mean, I think that for us, uh, we're only a 450 person company. Uh, but we, you know, uh, we'd like to think that we're making a difference in terms of, you know, um, how people, uh, think about business, how they think about, um, you know, the future. And, yeah. you know, this, this, uh, is a powerful thing when you're, what I've realized is it's a very powerful thing to be a CEO of a, of a company, right? Because people are thirsty for, um, this type of leadership, right? They, they want this. They do. They do. Yeah, they absolutely do. They want co-creating. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned vulnerability. Uh, an old mentor of mine uh, a long time ago said um, that people connect through vulnerability and they disconnect through certainty. And I, I think that, you know, far too often leaders uh, will find themselves feeling as if they have to have all of the answers all of the time and present, you know, present this facade of impenetrability. Yeah. Right. And, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I've always told people I'm not the smartest guy in the room, right? I went to SF State. I went to Sonoma State. Um, you know, I uh, I'm a uh, I'm a guy who's uh, believes in hard work and helping people. Yeah, yeah. And Jed, that comes through. That really does. Uh, yeah. There's an opening there that I can, you know, that you, know, you can connect with, and and that's where people follow. Uh, I mean, I will follow somebody that I can connect with, and. Right. When, it, when, you, when you start looking at pivoting in the way that you did, I mean, moving from a hardware-centric play to a software lead, that had to have been disruptive in the company. It was. I mean, and it still is. It's disruptive to our, our own, uh, you know, you think about it. It's like, uh, you know, you, you have one of those moments where you're sort of, you know, um, killing your own business, right, um, in a sense, yeah. right, for for. Yeah. for and, and that's difficult, right? You have to sort of see the future of how it could look, right? But uh, as you, as you uh, stated, right, there's just a lot of inertia that comes with change, right? And uh, mm -hmm. unknown, people don't like the unknown. And yeah. so until you can sort of help them understand, hey, the unknown isn't going to hurt you. It's actually going to you know, help you flourish and grow. And, and you know, that, that, that expanse is, is not um, something to be afraid of. That's, yeah. that's part of what um, I think the job is as a leader is to show that, um, you know, growth equals happiness. And, you know, um, in order to grow, you have to change typically, right? Yeah, <laughs> by, by definition. <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, yeah, guys. So it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been, you know, it's, it's an ongoing transformation, right? Because we've, we've made the transformation into software, but of course, every software company needs to transform into a, subscription software company, right? So mm -hmm. moving from selling something that you might buy for three years uh, with one upfront purchase to buying it in small incremental, you know, um, chunks, that's the way people want to buy things today, right? So that requires right. a whole new, you know, way to, to package and, you know, um, sell the product, which isn't trivial, right? So no, uh, not at all. And then of course the world is moving to cloud. So there's, um, you know, the product has to change to sort of calibrate against the cloud delivered solution. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think 
the great uh, message that I, I remember reading uh, was the letter that Satya wrote to all of the employees at, at Microsoft when he took over, right? And there was a yep. sentence in that letter that really resonated with me that said, yeah, we're gonna, um, we're gonna change this company. And um, while Microsoft has a storied history, you told me that you actually live next to Walmart. So, you know, you probably know this better than anyone, right, up in Washington. But like, you know, technology doesn't respect, you know, uh, heritage. In this industry, what is respected is innovation, right? And so for mm-hmm. me, that, that sentence that he wrote in that, um, that letter to all of his employees uh, was, was very meaningful, right? Essentially says that's the lifeblood of any tech company is we have to innovate, right? And so, you know, how do you innovate? Well, you've got to listen to customers. You got to listen to partners. You got to listen to your employees. And that can be a noisy, you know, world trying to sort out, okay, which one of those things is actually going to help us, you know, be competitive and, and grow. Uh, but uh, that's the lifeblood of any tech company. Right. And I think every, company in the world today is being driven to become a tech company and to utilize tech to survive. Um, yep. Yeah. And it, it is the tool of choice. I mean, you can't, you can't not have it if you're going to actually be viable, um, which yeah. In that pivot, uh, how did you, and this is you know, a how question, but how did you keep people engaged, particularly, you know, your hardware engineers? How did you, how did you get them to actually kind of go, yeah, I get this. This could be kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think it was always about um, showing them how the company um, could be more successful, right? And how they personally would benefit from that, right? In terms of um, just being a being being a player on the on the stage of of a of a, a massive pivot. And I'm sure for those non-technical listeners to this podcast you know, they think about the sort of revolution that Bill Gates brought to the world, right? Which was a PC on every desk in every home and every office. And uh, the vision that I painted for these guys was, look, the world is pivoting, right? We're going to have an opportunity to have that Windows, um, you know, operating system delivered from the cloud. And it's going to be delivered to devices that may not necessarily have locally installed applications and a big complicated operating system. And in fact, we have you know, definitive proof that says the world would like a really small, very secure, you know, um, easy to manage uh, operating system out here on the edge if they're going to connect to the cloud. Um, and you know, large enterprises are, have an appetite that, for that architecture, right? And so that, it was really about storytelling, right? Showing them yes. real life stories. And there's another great story. I think it was at the same kickoff where the guy said passion. I had just hired a sales uh, leader to run North America and um, he stood up and said, this can be a billion dollar company. And at the time the company had just crossed a hundred million and he had all these, you know, um, figures and analysis to back up his, his statement, of course, because the Germans came running after him for how could that be? Right. Uh, but he, he showed them, look, this company could make it to a billion and it could have a place on the stage you know, uh, in this, you know, once in 35 year sort of pivot that's happening around enterprise computing. And, uh, I think that, that was the key to the whole thing, right? If you can, if you can show people a vision and I think probably more for the next generation of employees, like the millennials that are coming up and we're hiring more and more of them, 
it's also, it's not about so much about, oh, this is a billion dollar company. It's one that it's like, hey, we're on a, a special mission to change, you know, um, how people, you know, and organizations, uh, you know, uh, connect to each other and, and for the, yeah. you know, to create better outcomes uh, for yeah. humans that can work for home, organizations and the planet. A big part of our uh, value proposition is, you know, slow down the 16 million pounds of electronic garbage that goes into the landfill every day. Um, yeah. Because we can, we, we literally walk into companies that are about to throw out t- tens of thousands of laptops or desktops because that's the world we've programmed, right? Every three years, mm-hmm. we get a, a bigger, faster machine. Um, yep. And we go, no, don't do that. Put this, you know, little tiny operating system on that device and we'll turn it into a, a, a Ferrari. Yeah. And, and you do. I mean, you know, there's a couple of things there. You got connection. Yeah. Personal meaning. I mean, those are you know, some of the, uh, the hallmarks of, the, uh, of a successful pivot. Yeah. You know, you got people connected to a dream. You got, yeah. Somebody asked me a long time ago, what's the purpose of a vision? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. And I said, look, you know, don't worry about the wording of it. Yeah, you know, the important thing about a vision is what it makes possible. If you get it right, it's what it makes possible. And what it makes possible is movement. Right. Um, and you, you do that by, you, you, you can't tell somebody why it's important. You have to ask them, you know, yeah, it's. You and know, I think you have to show them too, right? Like I was on this all yeah. hands la- yesterday. I said, look, you know, COVID is like the perfect uh, science project for us relative to what we do, right? Because all of a sudden, yeah what used to be kind of a minority use case is that now everybody has to have it, right? We need you to have a secure device that can access all your applications and data and um, you can, you know, be managed there at your house, right? And so I, I basically, I put a picture up because I think a picture and a story, obviously that's what stays with people. And I said, yeah. I've lived in this house in Marin for 11 years and um, 50 miles away, uh, when I look out my window is a mountain called Mount Diablo. I said, you know, for 11 years, I could see that a few times a year. In the last two months, it's become clearer and clearer and clearer. And I showed them a picture and I said, look, look at this, right? Like you can actually, I can see hiking trails on it now. Um, And I see it every single day. And I said, this, this is part of the vision that Igel is living, right? It's just sort of transform the way the world works. Um, And, you know, that has a long-term impact, right? On the planet and how people um, you know, could be connected to their families and just live a better life. Right. And so, yeah, I think sometimes people have to visualize it. And certainly this COVID thing has, has been a radical experiment for uh, work from home. <laughs> oh, that, that is an understatement. And there, you know, it, there's so much opportunity present in such a catastrophic event. I mean, right. there truly is. Yeah. And, I, I, I applaud what uh, what you're doing, um, and I, I'm going to start bringing this you know, in for a landing here. Um, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I can continue sorry, this conversation okay, for a long time. <laughs> Thirty minutes goes by in five minutes when you're uh, passionately talking about something. So oh, it does. Yeah, I mean, I, I literally, and I'm, and I'm going to yeah, after we sign off here, I've got something I want to speak to you specifically about, and you know, that'll, that'll appear in the recording, and people are going, "What's he talking about?" Yeah. <laughs> um, where can people get connected to what you're up to? Uh, yeah, the website is uh, 
igel.com, but more importantly, you know, how can they you know, find out more about what the company actually is up from an ethos standpoint uh, up to, you know, and, uh, yeah, well, obviously, I uh, I believe in connection myself, right? And I love to connect with people. And I, I um, you never know how how you might be able to help somebody, um, you know, that needs it, and how that might come back to you. Like I said, ten x in another way someday, right? I, I I firmly believe your network is your network. So obviously, I'd love to connect with any of your listeners on LinkedIn is the tool I use. Uh, but yeah, I think you know. Um, connecting to me there that you will probably get a, a good feel for what, what Agile is up to and how we see the world changing. Um, like you said, I think through, uh, through COVID, it, you know, you, you look at these challenging moments in history, right? Where like a, a war, World War II or whatever, we went in on horseback, we came out splitting the atom and jet engines and penicillin. And, you know, so I, I firmly believe that there's, there's going to be some positive impacts that come out of this. Um, and like I said, we've, we're already seeing it. So um, yeah, we'd love to connect with you. We'd love to show you how you know, how how uh, how we're helping. And certainly, we don't do it by ourselves, right? We're connected to Citrix and VMware and Microsoft and Amazon and a whole ecosystem of of great technology partners. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, Jed Ayers has been my guest, and the last name is A Y R E S. Jed Ayers. Uh, igel.com, igel.com. This has been Blaine Bartlett. You've been listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to at blainebartlett.com. Um, and I encourage you to pick up a copy of my newest book, um, The Leadership Mindset Weekly. It's a uh, collection of 52 weekly practices uh, that are specifically designed to enhance your effectiveness as a leader. Uh, and it's, it's intended to take you through a year-long program. So uh, self-directed and I think you would enjoy the book uh, you can get it uh, at all of the regular places uh, <laughs> I won't bore you with the details on that um, but again thank you for listening and I look forward to having you back on the next episode take care This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.